Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet. This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ plus sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm the vice president of Team DC, and I've played and loved sports my whole life. I've played with Team DC member clubs, the DC Furies Women's Rugby Club, and Rogue Darts. And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC, and I'm a diehard sports fan. I've played with many of the Team DC member clubs, including the DC Gay Flag Football League, Kara Bowling, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, and the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. I'm also a member of the DC Different Drummers, and I do a little bit of drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip under the bleachers. Welcome, everyone. Lauren Gabe here. It's November 8th, and you're listening to Under the Bleachers. On this podcast, we take turns, and this week, it's Laura's turn to choose our topics. For a discussion of all things queer, she chose some recently announced queer engagements. For our conversation of all things sports, it's the end of the MLB season. And for our topic at the intersection of sports and queer, we're talking about the weaponization of anti-gay slurs against male athletes. After that, we're going to share our interview with Team DC member club, the DC Horses. First, an update on Team DC. Registration is now open for Challenge Cup 3. This team competition event will take place in person on November 20th at Pitchers. Go to teamdc.rallyup.com backslash Challenge Cup 3, that's Challenge Cup III, or teamdc.org to register. Teams of five will compete in trivia, beer pong, darts, flip cup, and more to take the Challenge Cup. You can also buy raffle tickets to win four lower level seats to a Nats game next season. Raffle tickets are available on the event registration page. Team DC will be hosting its first marginalized gender sports mixer on November 17th at 6.30 at Aloho. This event is for women, trans, and non-binary athletes and is a great opportunity to meet other area athletes, mix and mingle, enjoy free food and great drink specials, and have a chance to win one of our amazing door prizes. Team DC board elections will be held at the annual meeting in January and nominations are being accepted now. Positions up for election include vice president, secretary, treasurer, board member for scholarships, board member for fundraising, board member for communications and board member in charge of the night out series. If you would like to nominate yourself or another person, or if you'd like more information about any of these positions, please email less at teamdc.org. Be sure to follow Team DC and its member clubs on social media for updates. Find Team DC on Facebook at Team DC LGBT and on Twitter and Instagram at Team DC Sports. Laura and I will be bringing you new episodes of Under the Bleachers every Monday at underthebleachers.podbean.com and in all your favorite podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And while you're at it, tell your friends to to subscribe to Under the Bleachers for all the latest news at the intersection of sports and queer. Now, here's Laura with our first topic in this week's trip, Under the Bleachers. Okay, for my queer topic, there are some star-studded rainbow weddings on the horizon. Bill Penn has a new book out called You Can't Be Serious, and in the book, he reveals that he is engaged to his partner of 11 years, Josh. Gail Penn is probably most famous for the Harold and Kumar movie franchise and also starred in the TV shows House and Designated Survivor. He also did a two-year stint in the White House for the Obama administration. 
Hannah's been doing press for the book and has been clear that he and Josh, who he met while he was at the White House, are out and open with their family and friends, but that because Josh is a private person, he has shied away from a more public announcement regarding his sexuality before now. And now it's possible that Cardi B may even officiate the wedding. Hale tweeted this week that he was on a plane with Cardi and dreamt that she officiated his wedding. Cardi quickly tweeted back to let Kale know that she is in fact licensed to marry people and is down for officiating the wedding. A cute Twitter exchange ensued, and although we will have to see what comes of it, Cardi has indicated she will be going suit shopping in preparation for the upcoming wedding. <laughs> and Kristen Stewart, who is set to star in the upcoming Princess Diana biopic, Spencer, which I hear will include some investigation into a potential queer relationship between Diana and a member of her inner circle, announced this week that she is engaged to her girlfriend of two years, Dylan, and rumors are swirling that Kristen's wedding might just be officiated by none other than Guy Fieri. So Gabe, did these engagement stories get you excited, and do you plan to ask Cardi B to officiate your future wedding? I, I, I don't plan to have Cardi B or Guy Fieri plan my, or officiate my next wedding. Um, yeah, I heard about the Cal Penn one, and I, I think a lot of people were really, not so much surprised, but they're just like, okay, cool. Like, it was really cool. Like, I thought it was interesting. Um, and I get it. It's like you're being, um, you know, private about it. And, and it's not like he's an amazing person. He's an amazing uh, comedian. He did a lot of stuff under the Obama administration and he's gay. So that's great. But the cool thing is, like, that's not just the one thing about him. Yeah. It kind of makes it awesome. Yeah, um, no, he was a really cool guy. I never really, I guess, gave it any thought, but like it certainly didn't shock or surprise me in any way. Yeah, you know, was I was thing. just like, yeah, okay, that tracks. <laughs> and, and I love that the news, I mean, it's kind of crazy that we've gone to this point where they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, he's he's getting in, he's, you know, he's engaged, he's getting married, uh, he's marrying a man. Cool. Um, tell us more about the book. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of awesome. Yeah, uh, no. Down to that point. I mean, um, I do B. think, yeah, I was like, I do think that the idea of Cardi B officiating a bunch of gay weddings is pretty cool. <laughs> That's now I'm wondering, I was do. like, what, if they met when they were in, at, when he was in the administration, did they meet here in D.C.? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Because we always hear about, like, all these, like, famous couples that, like, met at JR's and, like, met at all the, like, local bars, and it's like, really? I mean, Where? I don't know. I never saw Kale Penn out when he was here, and I was definitely on the lookout for him, because I was a big <laughs> I love Kelpen. I think he's great. Um, I also have a good friend from high school who has a huge crush on him and was definitely on the lookout for him the whole time that uh, he was in town. Trying to look um, around. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, it's all very cool. I'm also happy for Kristen Stewart. I feel like she's had her love life picked apart by the media yeah. relentlessly. So I'm glad she's a little bit less in the spotlight, but obviously happy and doing well. And yeah, cool. I know, especially with this whole like Diana, the biopic thing. I'm like, ooh, what angle? Yeah, no, I mean, I uh, want to see it real badly. And I've seen some of the, <laughs> I've seen like some of the previews for it. I'm like, this is going to be good. But I also, apparently, like a lot of people are up in arms because there's a suggestion that Diana might have had a lesbian affair. Shocker. I mean, get it, girl. Like, she was like fucking indentured to that marriage from the time she was like 15 years old and like couldn't do anything while her husband was having a like four decades long affair like what a Open mess affair with every, like oh. yeah 
Yeah, like she should be allowed to have whatever affair she wants to. And it ain't nobody's business but Diana and whoever that lady in her inner circle was. <laughs> now, would you have Guy Fieri officiate your wedding? Absolutely not. He's so weird. And like, <laughs> like, but I guess this is like a thing that he's done. Like he apparently officiated like a million gay beach weddings on the Food Network a couple of years ago. And Kristen Stewart like heard about it and was like, I'd love that cute little spiky haired man to do my wedding. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, but okay, whatever. I don't know. All good. <laughs> I love love. And so I'm happy for everybody if they're happy. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Hmm. Who would you who would you want to get to officiate your wedding? Um well Dead or Alive. Let's be Dead or Alive. <laughs> okay. Uh that is a great <laughs> question. Maybe like Betty White or uh... <laughs> Okay, Betty White, that that that's stand up. Like that'd be awesome. Like All right. or like what about um Ian McKellen? Okay. Sir Ian McKellen. Sir Ian. Yeah, I'd be down with that. Um, do you have a, a celebrity officiant in mind? I don't know. It'd be something ridiculous. Like, so like one of my friends told me if I ever, ever to get married, that my wedding would be the most ridiculous. Like he even told me, he's like, you're, we're going to have to get visas to go to your wedding. I'm like, probably <laughs> it's just going to be so ridiculous. Um, I don't know who's something crazy. Like I'm trying to think someone crazy. I, I mean, it's the whole idea of a wedding is crazy to me. So, I mean, uh, I married, I married two of my friends cause, uh, well, they got, this is again back in the day when you couldn't get married. Uh, yeah. They got married. Technically, they got married in South Carolina, but it wasn't legal. So yeah. we married. I actually married them on Halloween night a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, I married a couple of my friends. I married a couple of my friends in DC a couple of years ago. It was it was cool. I, I mean, mean, but we're all in costume. That's what made it better. I mean, you know that I just got back from a Halloween wedding in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> so I know Moira. all about it. <laughs> That's right. I was the best Moira Rose there. I was not the only Moira Rose there, but I was the best Moira Rose. There. But were you the only Pope Moira? Like the only wedding Moira? I was. Yes. Hey, I was the only. Go. Yes. I was the only Moira as wedding officiant at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on to sports. Uh, the MLB season has now come to an end. The Atlanta Braves defeated the Houston Astros in six games to win the World Series. Braves are a terrible team, and we don't need to dwell on that <laughs> anymore. So as the season came to a close, future Hall of Famer Buster Posey of the San Francisco Giants announced his retirement from baseball. Posey, who is 34 years old, said the desire to spend more time with his family combined with the physical toll of playing catcher led him to retire following a 12-year MLB career. Posey joins Pete Rose as the only other player in MLB history to win Rookie of the Year in 2010 an MVP in 2012, and three World Series rings, 2010, 12, and 14. He retires with exactly 1,500 big league hits and 158 home runs, and he was a seven-time All-Star. And finally, 10 MLB players became free agents this week, including Jock Peterson, Kyle Schwarber, and Andrew McCutcheon. So it is officially the offseason, and the Mets are currently tied for first place in the NL East. <laughs> Gabe, I ask you, do you have any closing thoughts on uh, this year's MLB season? First of all, the games were so long. <laughs> I was like, literally, like, when is this going to end? One of my best friends that lives in San Antonio, we're always watching. Okay, this, this is the other thing that we kind of missed. Um, so, as you know, we do Miss Adams, or I do Miss Adams Morgan, and it's always our tradition that we watch 
the uh, we watch some World Series game that's playing, and we like rhinestone in my hotel room. But unfortunately, <laughs> she couldn't come from San Antonio because of COVID and stuff like that. So yeah, I had to do the rhinestoning and watch the game by myself. But they were so long. Like, <laughs> oh my God, they were so, they were texting each other. We're like, when is this going to end? Like, never. Never. I was it like, was okay. the devil's work. The whole World Series was the devil's work. And I mean, I, I was talking to a couple of my friends because, of course, I'm from Texas. So they, they were all crazy about the Astros. I still joke around about, um, I don't know if you ever watched Doug, but like, you know, I don't Doug believe in watching cartoons as an adult. Okay, well, this is when I was a kid. So first off. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No, but uh, so Doug, he had this imaginary band and their famous song is banging on a trash can. So anytime <laughs> somebody talks about the Astros, that's all I think about is like banging on a trash can. Yeah, well, the Astros, I definitely would have preferred than the Atlanta Braves because the Atlanta Braves are nothing but the devil's work. Um, no, we were, um, I was watching the game actually a karaoke a green lantern we're like, <laughs> they had they had the karaoke going on on one and we we're watching the game on the other and we're like oh my god this is like what it ended what like almost what midnight past midnight almost Are you talking about the last game the last game yeah i mean it was late as fuck but that wasn't that was one of the shorter games that, yeah that wasn't like the um, latest one <laughs> and it was the same night of the terrible election yeah and, yeah yeah you Way know go, it, virginia it, it, it yeah Fuck you, Virginia. Like, what is wrong with people, man? I can't believe I board. I live in a border to that terrible place. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, the whole night was just like a dumpster fire, as far as I was concerned. So, I don't know. And all I, listeners I'm, from Virginia, please email Laura at Laura at. I mean, I assume anybody listening to this wasn't a fan of those election results, or they would have turned us off a long time ago. That's true. <laughs> um, but I do have to say, I. I really respect Buster Posey. I think he's like one of the more fun MLB players. Uh, he will be missed. I am so fucking jealous that you can retire at 34 because 34. of the toll that your game is taking on you. Um, I would love to retire and I'm already a decade older than 34. Um, and also I am not really interested in Kyle Schwarber, but I would not hate seeing Andrew McCutcheon. End up it's exciting when free agents get announced. And uh, so, yeah, you know, the season ended, it's all wrapping up and now we have a hundred and some odd days until pitchers and catchers. Report. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully. I mean, again, hopefully it'll be re a rebuilding year for the Nats. We'll see how <laughs> they go. Hopefully, maybe, maybe. I mean, it's not going to be a good year, so it's going to be a rebuilding year regardless, <laughs> right? So we're trying. We're yeah, trying. just call it a rebuilding year, and uh, whatever that means for the future, we'll, the future will mean. We'll see. They're still better than the Mets, so that's all that matters. I would not count on that, <laughs> my good sir. <laughs> I mean, I'm prepared to start laying my bets on next season right now if that's the horse you're riding. <laughs> we shall see. All right. Uh, so what's going on in the uh, world of the intersection of sports and queer? All right. This week's topic at the intersection of sports and queer, we're going to talk about the weaponization of anti-gay slurs against male athletes. This week, Chicago Blackhawks defenseman Kyle Beach spoke publicly for the first time about being sexually assaulted by a coach and his teammates' use of anti-gay slurs against him. Beach came forward and identified him as the John Doe who filed a sexual assault complaint against Brad Aldrich, the team's video coach, in 2010. 
The assault occurred in May 2010 during Chicago's Western Conference Final Series against the San Jose Sharks. While Aldrich told investigators the episode was consensual, Beach said it was entirely non-consensual. Before the assault began, Aldrich reportedly warned Beach that he would never play in the NHL or walk again if he didn't act like he enjoyed the sexual encounter. An investigation by the law firm Jenner and Brock, which was released Tuesday, concluded that the Blackhawks senior leaders did nothing when Beach told them about Aldrich's assault and harassment. One day following Chicago's Stanley Cup win, Eldritch made sexual advances toward a male intern and physically grabbed him, the report says. Eldritch left the Blackhawks that summer after the team's human resources department had told him he could either resign or take part in an investigation. With no stain on his record, Eldritch was then free to assault again. Two years later, he was accused of assaulting two men while working at Miami of Ohio University's Director of Hockey Operations. The alleged incidents resulted in his resignation. Beach filed a lawsuit against the Blackhawks earlier this year. According to the lawsuit, Beach was, quote, subjected to humiliating trash talking by his teammates during scrimmages where coaches were present and was, quote, repeatedly called gay slurs. Instead of offering compassion after the sexual assault, his teammates belittled his manhood. Beach is a straight man, but had anti-gay slurs weaponized against him after a sexual assault. This is the dark side of the locker rooms in male professional sports and undoubtedly contributes to the lack of out male athletes. Beach is very brave for coming forward so that other men that may be in his position feel less alone, but it is time to clean up the locker rooms and put an end to anti-gay slurs everywhere. Um, so Gabe, did anything about this story surprise you or is it just more of the same? So I've been keeping up with this, like I've been hearing a lot of the, the, you know, the news recaps on NPR and stuff like that. And first off, I thought it was crazy that one, it's 11 years and now we're finally hearing a lot of the details of what was going on. Because, yeah, this happened in 2010. And of course, uh, one of the big things I was, I, was, I was reading about is that they were blocking a lot of what was going out from coming out into the media and stuff like that because the Blackhawks were, you know, about to win the Stanley Cup. So they're just like, We'll deal with it later. Forget what's yeah. going on. We'll we'll just, you know, we'll get to it, but let's just focus on that. We don't we don't want to distract the team. And yeah, I think well, what... and then you know, the thing is, is like who knows if they ever would have dealt with it at all. Exactly. Except that he then went on to assault an intern like two months later. And I mean, the it's... fact that it had, you know, you had to go to litigation and stuff like that. And then like looking at it, okay, so Beach back in 2010, he was 20 and Aldrich was 27. So, I mean, what a mess. I mean, first yeah, of all, this yeah, Eldritch like, guy is a serial sexual predator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they just it's let documented. him loose. Yeah. <laughs> and they just like set him loose on the collegiate athletes. That's fucking terrible. But also, like, I can't even imagine, like, your teammates are supposed to be like your support system, right? Like, you're in this thing together. It's like, you know, your family. And, that's your, yeah. And instead of trying to do a single fucking thing to help this guy, instead they decide to start calling him a bunch of anti-gay slurs. Like where, what is the, what is cracked in your brain that that's where you go with this? Yeah. I mean, that's a tough thing, but yeah, it's like, that's, that's stupid. You would think like him coming to his teammates and saying, Hey, this is going on. And also being like, you don't know, we don't know. Maybe did something happen to somebody else that didn't well, want to say anything? I mean, but this is the whole thing, right? Is that, my understanding of it is he felt like they essentially just decided like he probably asked for it. So yeah. he must be gay. 
and let's call him all these nasty names. And it's like, okay, first of all, if he is gay and he wanted to have this relationship or like whether he's gay or not, if he says it was non-consensual, it shouldn't matter. You know, right. And by the way, if he is gay, that's not something that should be used as an insult, whether he's gay or not. You know, like it doesn't, person's sexuality is really not relevant to the fact that if you use the concept of homosexuality as a slur, you are by definition not only being harmful to that human regardless of their sexuality, but you're also just furthering negative stereotypes about homosexual people. And it's just fucking ridiculous. It's so toxic. It's so like typical of what you hear about fucking locker rooms and the way men talk about locker rooms is like, yeah, we all go in there and like hit each other's ass and then call each other fag. Like, I don't even, it's just, it's gross. And of course, no, like a bunch of male athlete, professional athletes don't want to come out if they're gay because this is what they expect to be treated like. Yeah. It's this really fucked up mentality that guys have about treating homosexuality as an inherent insult to manhood. Yeah. Right. And that's gross. And it's ideas like this that are being perpetuated that make it hard for boys, young boys who want to be athletes to come out. Or if they're gay and they know that like they're not going to be able to stay in the closet, it makes them want to quit sports. And that is awful. And, you know, these guys, these freaking Chicago Blackhawks, like here you are winning a Stanley Cup, being at the height of your profession. You're supposed to be a freaking role model. And this is how you're talking to your teammates. I, mean, I was looking at even like the fact like they're uh, scratching Aldrich's name off of the uh, trophy off the Stanley Cup. Yeah, which is great. And you know what else they should do is fire every one of the executives that ignored the complaints about him and let him yeah. resign quietly and go take a job in college athletics when they knew he was a serial sexual predator. And they knew something was going on. Yeah. Yeah. They should all be fired and their name should be taken off the trophy too. This, I mean, this also, I mean, I'm not, again, when you were saying first, were you surprised or not? Like, no, because like when we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about the whole like John Gruden thing, it's it's the same thing over and over and over again. And it's in different sports. Um, and it's just something that we need to talk about and get out of sports in general. Yeah, I, I mean, I want Beach to like, I, I would like Beach to out these teammates by name. And I would like each and every one of them to explain themselves and or be out, you know, never treated as a, freaking role model again you know i mean there should be consequences for this kind of negative toxic behavior yeah i mean it's the shitty thing that we talk about um where we say you know your teammates on your sports team they're supposed to be your family they're supposed to be you know standing up for you and making sure that you're okay you can tell them anything and this is kind of a sad story in sports to hear that their teammates basically said oh okay whatever we don't believe you and or you asked for it so yeah. don't blame, don't don't bother us. What's going on? We got a Stanley Cup to win. Yeah, pretty awful, all around. Okay, that's this week's under the bleachers roundup of things queer, things sports, and things at the intersection of sports and queer. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna share our interview with Team DC's member club, the DC Horses. Welcome back to Under the Bleachers. Today we are joined by Chris and Gavino from the Washington DC Horses water polo team. Welcome, Chris and Gavino. It is great to have you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. All right. So the DC Horses is a water polo team. I don't know what water polo is. So for people like me who are unfamiliar, tell us what water polo is and how you play it. 
Lots of people ask if the horses know how to swim. This is a pretty <laughs> typical question that we get internationally. Um, but the truth of the matter is that the best thing I can say is that it's kind of think of soccer in the water with obviously a lot of different caveats here and there, but to get a general idea of how the ball moves across the field, across the water and what's happening. Think of, you know, think of how, you know, you'll have a forward and a defender and then like in, 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 in water polo, you're dealing more with like a whole set and a whole defender. So you have this structure around the cage, which is structured with six people, um, in order of like one, two, three, four, five, six, and number six sits in front of the goal. And basically you're trying to either funnel the ball to that person in the middle in front of the goal, or you're trying to create movement, drives, picks. You're trying to create movement so that someone can get open and essentially just get get the ball in the net. And <clears throat> it's harder than it like than it looks. I it, you know, when you're in the water, the like the the goal looks like super huge, but when you're like up against a really strong defender, it can be really hard to actually like get, make a goal. So it's, you know, you can't touch the, the bottom of the pool. Some people are like really surprised by that. They're like, oh, wow, you can't touch the bottom. No, we practice in a pool that's like probably more than 12 feet deep. So, okay. you know, you're dealing every quarter, you're just like hustling back and forth and back and forth. And, um, you know, it's pretty strenuous, but, uh, you know, best way to sort of like get a better idea of what it's like is just like, try to watch a match, like watch some Olympians. They look really great in the water, like see how it's done. Um, but yeah, kind of like soccer in the water, uh, but with with a lot more to it. So I'm picturing um, like a round ball and you are throwing it to each other, correct? Yeah, it's like a volleyball almost. Yeah. And now do you, can you swim with the ball, swim forward with the ball? You could swim with the ball. You can only touch it with one hand. Okay. At one at any time, uh, the only player that can touch it with two hands is the goalie. Got it. And you'll All pass right. it. You'll pass it back and forth between players. You'll swim it up. You'll throw it long distance up the pool. Um, now, how long of a pool are we talking about here? Uh, a regular size, like twenty-five meters. So a full that length, sounds, and you're swimming yeah. back and forth. So <laughs> similar to soccer. You're on right. offense and on defense, and you're going okay. back and forth. Yeah, got it. And so there's no shallow end. You have to just tread water the whole time. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, that sounds like a game you have to be in really great shape for. So good for both of you. Like Gavino said, usually the Olympics is when people like know about water polo, see it. And I needed to give a plug for our U.S. women's water polo team. They just won their third gold medal back to back. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So tell us about the Washington DC horses. Um, are you one water polo team that competes against other cities? Do you have multiple teams that compete against each other? What, how, what's your league like and what do you guys do? So the team itself is one team, uh, the Washington DC horses, uh, we're made up of about 70 players currently. And, uh, it was started in 1985. Uh, so last year we celebrated our 35th anniversary and we're part of the International Gay and Lesbian Aquatics or IGLA, which is an international body of aquatics, uh, swimming, water polo, diving and synchro swimming. Uh, there's teams all over the country. We have uh, international championship every year. And then every fourth year is uh, the gay games. So um, there's a huge... Uh, 
network of gay water polo players all around the world, which is pretty incredible. Um, and we recently, the most recent one we've had is right before, uh, well, actually, as the pandemic was was making its way across the globe, uh, we had an international championship down in Australia, which Gavino, I believe you were at, yes? Yeah, um, it was definitely on the heels of the pandemic. And uh, it was the, what was it? It was the first time we have uh, brought home a medal in almost two decades. We previously won bronze at IGLA in Paris in 2000. So it was super exciting to be able to compete on the international stage. Um, and yeah, make a little bit of history for the DC horses there. And hopefully yeah, we cool. can go out and compete some more soon. I'm just like dying to, you know, get back at the competitive angle. Yeah, everybody is anxious to get out and do the things that we love to do. What do the DC horses practice and where do y'all compete or host matches? Well, that's gotten interesting. Uh, so before <laughs> the pandemic, we uh, traditionally were at uh, Tacoma Aquatic Center. It's a DC parks and recreation facility up in the Tacoma neighborhood. Uh, Obviously, that along with all of the DC pools closed during the pandemic starting in March 2020. Uh, and just late June, uh, we got um, polls started to open again. Unfortunately, Tacoma's pool is remaining closed for uh, renovations, but we were able to get some pool time up at the Wilson Aquatic Center, which is part of the Wilson High School. Cool. So if somebody has never played water polo before, can they come out and join you guys and learn? Yeah, I never played water polo before I joined. Uh, so I joined in 2007. Uh, so I've been on the team for 14 years now. And when I first joined, I had never played water polo before. I swam all through high school, uh, but water polo wasn't a thing in Pittsburgh at the time uh, where I grew up. And so... I actually thought about it a year earlier and was too nervous to join at the time. I uh, had more in a speedo since high school and was like, ah, I don't know. And a friend convinced me to go to a practice and was like, if you don't like it, don't ever go back. Uh, and the great thing about this team is that you have people like me that never played water polo before. You have people that played division one water polo in college or on you know European masters teams growing up uh, and everything in between and everyone's welcome to join and play. There is a caveat because you are swimming constantly and in deep water. We do have a swim test and uh, an entrance test to make sure that you have the bare minimum qualifications so that you're not going to be in danger yourself or put the other players in danger. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to ask. What is the bare minimum qualifications? Like describe to me as a not, as a person who's never been a competitive swimmer, what, what level of comfort do I need to have in a pool before I can come out and learn water polo? So our requirement is a uh, 200 meter swim, which is eight, eight lengths nonstop. Uh, and I think you have to do it in four or five minutes of time. Uh, and you also have to tread because treading is a big thing. Uh, so kind of standing upright in water, uh, but obviously you're not standing. Uh, we're not that talented. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, keeping your head and your body upright uh, and treading. And those are the two main uh, tests that we do. I mean, the, the biggest thing is you need to be able to swim back and forth a few times without stopping. 
Uh, so you mentioned that you're, you know, the team's made up about maybe about 70 members. Can you talk about the, the breakup? Is it mostly men? Is it women? Is it mixed? Yeah. So I uh, actually, so it is co-ed. We're a co-ed team. Uh, and we have about 70 players right now. And it's about 40% women, uh, 60% men. And it's about 30% LGBT, 70% straight. Okay. Which is interesting for a historic, for an LGBT team. For sure, but is um, is there another water polo team in D.C. that you're aware of? Yeah, there are, we're the only team in D.C. itself. Uh, okay. But there's a team in Northern Virginia, Nova. Uh, there's an Arlington team. Uh, there's a Rockville team. And there's a team out in um, the Baltimore area as well. Well, maybe you guys are just more fun. Oh, we're definitely more fun. Our <laughs> <laughs> reputation um, precedes us. <laughs> so I will say we're historically gay. We first started in 1985. A group of gay men wanted to compete uh, as part of the first uh, gay games, uh, which had swimming and water polo as part of it. And so uh, a group of gay men here in DC formed a team. They had no idea how to play, uh, but they wanted to have a team and be able to go out and compete in this awesome event. Uh, and over time, uh, there was a women's team, which was mostly post-collegiate women, a lot of GW uh, women, George Washington University uh, graduates that wanted to play uh, past college and didn't have the numbers, didn't have the pool time yet. Uh, and the gay men had the pool time, was organized, but also didn't have the number or the skills necessarily. So they combined forces. And from that point, we've had a co-ed team um, where, you know, everyone's welcome and you know considered a teammate yeah very cool um in between the the uh international competitions do you compete in smaller events throughout the year yeah i mean there's there's usually uh we can go to tournaments throughout the year uh some are gay and part of the igla teams and some are not uh we host our own tournament typically every october uh, beginning of October, and we tend to have anywhere from 10 to 15 uh, teams playing, typically from up and down the East Coast. Um, Toronto usually has a tournament that we go to sometimes, Montreal, uh, New York City, um, and then San Francisco has a big tournament every year. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely opportunities. Uh, Dominican Republic has hosted tournaments that we've gone to. Um, New Orleans is a big one, Mardi Gras tournament, uh, Tulane University hosts that. So, and actually UNC, I can't believe I forgot that one. So UNC hosts a big tournament uh, every Easter weekend, uh, which is great down at Chapel Hill in the spring. And it's also, co it's, they have a women's bracket and a men's bracket. And so we usually send uh, a team of each. Uh, and it's usually against college kids. So we're the old, uh, smarter, wiser richer <laughs> or something like that right uh-huh. <laughs> slower yeah right <laughs> slower to recover too <laughs> do you all have any other regular activities or events that you uh host outside of the pool yeah um so i will say that uh during the pandemic we did a couple park hangs uh where we go to a, a you know grant circle up in petworth uh, and our unofficial drag queen, Desiree Dick, uh, has been entertaining us through the pandemic. 
uh sorry for the other drag queens out there she just is freaky enough and we love her so uh she's been entertaining us and we always have a holiday party um that's usually a, a fun event uh we've often been donating meals and food uh to casa ruby uh once a month at least um we tend to try and do you know different fundraisers and stuff with you know lgbt organizations and other uh, groups to help support them. That's just like one little plug that I would like to say about this team. When we were talking about the demographics a little bit, something that's like really eye-opening about this team as as a gay man who historically has hung out with mainly gay men and like gay friend groups, et cetera, et cetera. I've met a lot of people from across the spectrum. And I really want to say that this team puts the A and LGBTQIA. And, you know, I had never really thought of allyship as seriously as I did when I joined this team. And it's it's kind of great to have these, you know, community members who are really in support of the agenda and like the gay agenda, the LGBTQIAQ plus agenda. And it's just like, it's, it's really nice. It's refreshing to know that you have like that sort of like support system, that pat on the back um, and to, to really be as diverse and, and inclusive as you know, we try to aspire to be as, as, as members of this community. So I think that that's kind of special and unique to this team. Um, and yeah, that's, that's one thing I'll just say about the demographic. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. And that sounds great. And it kind of crosses into what I wanted to ask you next, which is I always like to ask people to kind of think about sharing some kind of a personal experience about how your club has impacted your life um, so tell us how, you know, what kind of a difference being a member of the Washington DC horses has made for you? Um, well, it literally, uh, helped me come out of the closet. Uh, when I first joined, I was still in the closet, uh, to a lot of my college friends and my family. Uh, and again, when I joined the team, I thought it was going to be all gay men was surprised to see that it was 50, 50 roughly at the time. Uh, so I assumed all the women were lesbian and all the men were gay and quickly <laughs> learned that uh, pretty much a majority of the people were straight, uh, but it didn't really matter. And that was really one of the first times where I experienced like I wasn't afraid that straight people might hate me or want to beat me up, but they were in the water in Speedos with me, touching me, being a, just as aggressive. They weren't, you know, oh, let's let's not, you know, touch the gay guy in the locker room with you changing. And it was like eye-opening and it was like, oh, straight people aren't what, you know, we sometimes demonize them as when we're still in the closet and that's why we're afraid to come out. Uh, so that helped me come out and this has become my family. I mean, I've been on the team for 14 years uh, and it's given me opportunities to travel all over the world. I've competed in, you know, Reykjavik, Iceland, uh, Stockholm, uh, Paris for gay games, which is awesome. Cleveland, which might not seem great, but uh, my sister and college friends all live there. So that was really cool to be able to compete at gay games for that. And I even got to serve on the board of Team DC uh, as executive board for two years. IGLA, I was uh, uh, president of IGLA for two years as well. Uh, so it's given me these opportunities that uh, I would have never gotten otherwise. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Gavino, do you want to uh, add anything from your own perspective? Oh, wow. How has, uh, how have the DC horses impacted me? Um, I would say that this, there's kind of a nostalgia 
to water polo for me. This is, I played water polo for eight years all through high school before I moved to Europe, which, and I, I was, I was at the competitive level with a private club. I went to the junior Olympics. It was honestly, it was my passion. I had a dream to go to the Olympics when I was little. And then I won a scholarship to study in Italy. And I was like, well, well Italy sounds kind of great. Um, so I ended up not continuing my water polo and, but I had always wanted to get back to it. And one day I was sitting at work, you know, exhausted and thinking like, oh gosh, like I want to do something fun. Like there's gotta be gay water polo in Washington. And I literally just Googled gay water polo, Washington. And I was like, of course there's gay water polo in Washington. Of course there is. So, and I, and I found it. And so, you know, I sent a, an email to the secretary at the time professing, you know, my identity as a gay man who wants to play water polo. And she was like, oh, well, you, you're just a perfect fit. So <laughs> um, it was kind of, it was just really exciting to be able to do that again and to like tap into that nostalgia I had as a child, like, you know, playing polo with my friends and having that, like um, that type of com camaraderie with your teammates. Um, it's just like such a fun and like supportive atmosphere. And it's it's great to be back in the water. And honestly, like, I feel like I'm picking up, picking back up where I left off, which is when I was like 17 or 18. And I was like starting to get really competitive. And now I'm just at this place in my mind where like, okay, pandemic, hopefully we're on that, starting to near the, the beginning of the end of this. Like, I want to like really get competitive again and just like pick up where I left off. And so I just think of it as a really fun challenge it's like, you know, definitely like one of the most fun things I do during the week. Um, yeah. And I guess it's had just a really positive impact on my life. Cool. Cool. So as you probably know, Team DC's mission centers around inclusivity and promotion of sports participation in the, uh, the general LGBTQ plus community. Um, so what are your thoughts about inclusivity in sports, either personally or from the team and the organization? What, what does inclusivity mean to you? Well, I think, I think DC Horses is probably one of the best examples of inclusivity because, again, even though it's a gay water polo team, it is 70% straight people. Uh, and so it, uh, everyone is truly welcome. And I, you know, I always say that I, I think the DC Horses is where society hopefully will one day get where it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight or a man or a woman. If you want to play water polo, get in. You know, it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight unless, you know, probably someone wants to sleep with you and then they'll care. But, um, you know, so uh, and then also with the skill level, like I said, I never played before and I was welcomed just as much as Gavino, who was playing Junior Olympics, which who knew? So here we are. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Um, so I want to thank both of you for taking time out of your day to come talk to us and tell us more about uh, the Washington DC horses. Before we let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to tell any listeners where they can find more information about you, if you have a website, social media handles, anything like that that you might want to share. Well, you can find us at dchorses.org. Um, and that's DC horses, like a seahorse, not the letter C one word, or you can find us at DC horses, uh, social media again with an S, um, on Instagram, uh, and we're on Facebook as well. Uh, yeah. 
And if you'd like to inquire about joining, there's an email on the dchorses.org website where you can email our secretary to um, find out about doing the swim test. Perfect. Well, thanks again. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you guys again soon. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to this episode of Under the Bleachers. Under the Bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of Team DC. For more information about Team DC, please visit www.teamdc.org. We want to give credit to Ralph Elston for the design of our logo. Also, our music is provided by DC's Different Drummers Marching Band and was composed by Travis Gettinger. You can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all major podcast apps, including Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share us with a friend who might enjoy listening. Under the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC board members, Laura Frere and Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and participants of Under the Bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC.